least for a while. And uh, I'd like to express my appreciation for all those who attended and uh, were very faithful to be in the house of the Lord to, to listen. Appreciate you that did that. And I know there's some that wanted to be here and couldn't. And then there's some that didn't want to be here and could. <laughs> Boy, am I getting off the right start now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, I have to leave that between you and the Lord. When you have a calling, it's your calling to minister the Word of God, and it's certainly God doesn't require us to run you down and make you accept it, okay? God uh, furnished houses of worship, Places to go, opportunities to worship Him in and listen to the Word of the Lord. Almost all of our teachings could have been summed up in the Bible, in Revelations, concerning the one world government that the Bible speaks about in Revelations and also the one world church. Our desire, of course, was to point out to you that these things are not far away and long ago. But these things are happening now and we have a world government ready to be formed. How soon that's going to be, really, I don't know other than everything is in place. And also we have a one world church that's sitting on the sidelines ready to initiate their goal. So we know in almost all revelations it points us to that tells us these things are going to happen. So we actually spent eight or nine nights here teaching concerning that and showing you by what is happening in the world that Scripture is being fulfilled every day. And we are closer to the coming of the Lord than we've ever been since He went away 2,000 years ago and promised us that He would come again when He jarred the attention of those that looked up and into the heavens and watched him ascend, he jarred their attention to the fact that they should go and fulfill their command to minister the word of God and do what a church is supposed to do. And I feel like in my spirit. And I'm not just talking about the first apostolic church here, I'm talking about churches all over the land. I feel within my spirit that we have lost what we're supposed to be doing. Because God wants us to enjoy ourselves. God wants us to depend upon Him to satisfy and supply our needs and not our wants. And God wants us to feel good. But that is not the full responsibility of the church. The responsibility of the church is to receive the Word of God, let it shine forth into our life, and be witnesses to Him. That's what He said after they went to the upper room and said, you'll receive power and there you will be witnesses of me. I feel like that we have become, and I say we, we have become selfish. If we don't get a blessing, so to speak, well then we feel like everything has been in vain. Did you ever realize that our responsibility is to bless God? And we do that by listening to His Word, by understanding what our responsibilities are. And all of that we said to say this, while these things are going to happen and we can't stop it, the beast power is going to raise up. There will be a one world government. It will control for the most part the entire world. 
Our nation, I feel like, very soon now is going to make its choice as to whether it is going to be a part of that or not. And as we ministered uh, last Wednesday night, October the 1st, they are going to initiate some type uh, of an ID card, whether that will be a card and some of them are arguing about a biochip and all of that, we will see. But uh, once we get that and then it merges into the biochip and uh, our nation takes that, or then we are in trouble individually. Now, I don't like what's going to be going on during the tribulation, all right? And uh, I would rather our nation not to be involved in that. I would rather that we would be above that with a message and a haven. God has always provided a haven for our lives and that we would be a haven for that. But there is going to be a one-world church. Our, our mentality, as far as our world is concerned, is ready for that. Mentality as far as the majority of quote-unquote Christians are concerned is ready for that. So that it doesn't matter what God you worship, whether it's Buddha or whether it's Allah or whether uh, it's, whether it's uh, Voodoo or whatever it is, as long as you're worshiping a God, everything's going to be fine. And uh, they've already marked us, as we said, and recapping a little bit as exclusiveness. In other words, we exclude anybody that doesn't believe it takes the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse us from all sin and iniquity. And uh, that way you enter into the kingdom of God. No other way. And uh, that's why they call us exclusive. And we're, we're with exclusivism. So we are marked on that. And we also mentioned that they are talking about including our religion in the ID card. So you know where that is going and you know why it's going there. So let's open our eyes tonight and realize that we don't come to church just to fulfill a promise maybe we made to God. We don't come to church out of habit, although it's a good thing to come to the house of God. But we come to the house of God to worship Him, to bless Him, and to be blessed. Amen. And more than anything else, to be challenged because we are the light of the world. If we can't shine, then the world is in darkness. And so while all of these things are going on, and we mentioned concerning the false church and, and the false Christ, the Antichrist is coming, and the one world religions and all of this, I wanted to end up those teachings with a question, what is God doing in the meantime? It doesn't seem like he's doing much, because the world seems like it is going down all the time, but God is still working. He always has worked. He always will work. And it's surprising it might seem, it might seem he has always not had a majority to work with. He's always had a remnant. Always had individuals that's concerned enough about what's going on in their world that God can depend on them. Now, can God depend on you? That's the question I'm asking. Can he depend on me? Well, there's some serious things that God is going to require of his church. There's a lot of voices in the world, and I want to read 1 Corinthians 14.10, and from there on I will be dealing in Revelations. Uh, to extradite time, I'll just ask you to read Revelations and also mark down the chapters there. But Paul is writing to the church of Corinth and says, because they were having problems. They have problems like we are sometimes. Uh, there are so many voices that they really don't know which one to pay attention to. And he says, there are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. In other words, every voice means something. Whether it's the voice of the enemy, whether it's our fleshly voice, or whether it's the voice of God. And Paul goes on to try to tell them to discern the voice of God. 
I think that's what he's trying to get us to do today. For the most part, we hear our voice, and we can't tell the difference between it and God's. And a lot of times we hear the voice of the enemy because he is an angel of light, and he comes in and sounds very similar to God's voice. And so sensitivity to God, prayer, concern, and getting close to God and understanding and knowing God's voice when he speaks. Now he does say that we should know his voice. All right? He said, my sheep know my voice, and another they will not follow. So we're going to have to find out whether we are rams, goats, or sheep. All right? To know the voice of the Lord. But I want to talk about voices tonight. Voices that sounds out through the book of Revelations against these things that I have been telling you that is coming to pass and will come to its fruition. St. John 1, 1 and 6 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Man, that is power-packed scripture right there that fully needs to be understood, all right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and very clearly the Word was God. In other words, we can't separate God from His Word. All right, that does away with any Trinitarian aspect of what God is saying. My Word and me are the same, okay? And the Word of God is the same as God Himself. And said, same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. And there was a man sent from God, whose name was John. I want to get into that a little bit later. But God has always had a voice in the midst of dark times. There isn't any doubt whatsoever that we are entering into dark times. They promise us a lot of things. They say this is the best times we've ever lived in economically. I would dispute that a little bit. Other than as far as Christianity is concerned, as far as uh, our lives are concerned, it is dark times and the world is in dark times. But God has always had a voice. God has a voice now, and that voice is going to increase in its power and its anointing. And uh, we have to pray that we will be part of it. Now, when wickedness was so great that it seemed like God would eliminate the human race and seemed like there wasn't any chance whatsoever because God is fed up with the carnality of mankind and he becomes so wicked that God said he would destroy the earth and destroy man. And then it says in Genesis 6, 8, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In the midst of all of that populace that was there, in the midst of everything else, one man caught the attention of God and stood in the midst of all the unbelief and ungodliness and built in an ark and declared this the only way of salvation. That has always happened. When the children of Israel had been kept in captivity for 400 years and they had cried and they had prayed and uh, freedom seemed hopeless. And then just about the time it seemed like there wasn't anything that could be done comes the voice of God's man who incidentally had been on the backside of the desert learning what God wanted out of him and come and face the ruler that day and said, let my people go. And of course, uh, you can make a whole sermon out of that that what, uh, how hard-hearted Pharaoh was and everything they went through and still God had a man filled with power, anointing, uh, gave him whatever was necessary to stand against all the odds of the Egyptians and gave him whatever was necessary until it come to the place to where he had to let his people go. 
And then Isaiah, when God needed someone to warn Israel of impending judgment. In other words, Israel had sinned, Israel was away from God, Israel was not praying, Israel had embraced false gods, Israel had walked after its own way, and God had to uh, pronounce judgment upon them, but he had to have somebody that was willing to go against the grain, that was willing to be sensitive to what God had to say in order to pronounce judgment upon Israel of old and send them into captivity. And when God looked for a man, he tapped Isaiah on the shoulder, so to speak, and Isaiah was in the presence of God, and in the presence of God he saw his own uncleanliness. Now I would like to challenge the church, because we're going to have to get there, to get in the presence of God and let Him challenge us of the uncleanliness that's in our lives. Things that we don't see but God sees and things when we pray and ask God to open our eyes to the sin or uncleanliness in, in our life, when we get close enough to God, He will open ourselves, our own lives up to us and let us see, not our neighbors and our friends, but let us see ourselves. God help us some way to get close enough to God where we can see ourselves. A magnifying glass, a mirror set upon us where we see our own uncleanliness. And Isaiah did that. And he said, Lord, I am unclean. I dwell among a, a, a nation of unclean lips. And God, realizing what he saw, then realized what he had to do. And he sent an angel took tongue from the altar, took a live coal, touched his lips, and God had said, Who will I send and who will go for me? And Isaiah said, After he was cleansed, after he saw his own uncleanliness, he said, Here am I, Lord, send me. In other words, he knew it would be quite a hard message. He knew he would be marked as an individual. He knew that he was going against the grain of Israel, and he knew that he would be telling them something they didn't want to hear, and he could not have told them except he got in the presence of the Lord, and the Lord cleansed him of everything, burned out all the dross and sin that was in him, and set him with a message that caused Israel to know that judgment was coming. And then the scripture I read, been 400 years, and they hadn't heard from God for that long, and John the Baptist came along, a voice crying in the wilderness of Judea. His message was, Kind of like the message that's going to go around before long to stand against all these other things. His message was in one thing, essence, and that is repent. Now that's quite an unwelcome message to churches. That was an unwelcome message to the synagogue individuals. The Jews didn't like it, the priests didn't like it, the Levites didn't like it, but John preached it anyway because it was necessary to have somebody that would welcome Jesus. Now we're going to go to Revelations, we're going to pick up some things there. Uh, now God right now, I feel strongly in my spirit, God right now is dealing with individuals to move out everything else out of their life and dedicate their lives wholly and supremely to Him, and He is tapping them so that they will be able to be messengers against these things that is going to come to pass. Now in Revelation, John speaks, of angels. Now it's hard to distinguish that, whether those are angels or whether those are men or a ministry. And the only way you can do that, of course, is find out exactly if there's a change in the word or not. 
Now John talks about messengers and some of those are spirits and some of those are angels and some of them are men. But an easy way to find that out is this, that God never sent an angel to preach to man. He called humanity to preach to humanity. He called his church or ministry out of his church to minister to man. So anytime you find a message that is coming, whether it says an angel, and we'll get to that in a minute, but an angel in the Greek is angelo, and uh, when it's, uh, that's talking about the Spirit, and when it's talking about men or message, it's agalos. So there is a difference in the word, even though it's translated the same by the translators. And agalos simply means a ministry with a divine message. And when giving messages to the church, God uses men. Example, of course, is the seven churches of Asia. Whenever he sent an angel, so to speak, and that was just a messenger that God had chosen, and it was a man with a divine message to these particular churches of Asia, where he challenged them as to their failures. The church, of course, he talks about one that had lost his first love. Another was allowing Jezebel to teach and, and that. And on and on you can go, and God called men with a message, a divine message, he had given them for that particular church to point out the error of their ways. God still does that. God still does that. God sends pastors, evangelists, prophets, apostles, teachers, and all of those with a message to challenge individual churches of our failures. And if we accept those words and check it out by the word of God, then we are going to be able to help and minister to our lost and dying world that is so sorely needed. But we want to get in real quickly to what is going on and what God is trying to do and what God is calling out and what our challenges are. I don't know if you want to be part of the ministry with a divine message or not, but God is trying to find individuals, not just pastors, God is trying to find individuals and that would desire to carry a message of divine presence and power that would, when these things finally develop, that would be able to stand and be willing to give their whole being to God, would be able to stand against these powers that have already taken over. You see, God will not allow those things to take over without a challenge after they have, been, after they have even taken their place. So we're going to be speaking about things that God is going to be doing as he speaks against these powers that have already found their place and the beast powers already uh, came into being. He's already got his kingdom. He's already sitting in Jerusalem declaring himself that he is God. Uh, the false prophet is uh, asking people to bear allegiance to the beast power and all of these things. Let's assume now they have already happened. Okay, we've told you we're building up to that. It is going to happen. But what we want to find out is what is God doing in the meantime. And already God has relinquished His power and authority to His people, yes. to the church. Now if we're looking for God to do something supernatural outside the church, it ain't, pardon my English, it ain't going to happen. Okay, that's the very reason why He initiated the church in the beginning, caused it to be born, it's because he meant for it to be here all during those troublesome times to be a thorn in the flesh of the beast power and the false church. Amen. Now if we've got any uh, nice ideas 
that once things get rough, God is just going to zap us out of here and leave this whole world to the devil. I want you to read Revelations. I want you to understand that you are placed here, been here 2,000 years, birthed by the Holy Ghost of God, and you have been here to witness against the powers of hell. Whether there are, uh, as it is now, many antichrists, or whether it climaxes into the one antichrist, it is the church's duty, the church's privilege, the church's responsibility to be here and sound a voice against that. Amen. So that it simply will not take in the whole world, okay? So when we get into that, after describing in chapter 13, and it's the only way I know to handle it, so you read uh, Revelations 14, but before that, mark it down and go ahead and re read Revelations 13, and it talks about the beast out of the sea and the beast out of the earth. Of course, that is talking about the ecclesiastical power and the political power, which is the beast and the false prophets. But after he describes that, then in four, uh, verse 6 of chapter 14, I like the words that he says. And he said, And I saw an angel. In other words, I saw an agalos. I saw a ministry with divine authority and power. Fly. The word from fly comes from the Greek word patomi, which means coming. I saw a messenger. I saw a ministry. Whether that's who that is, I don't know. I'd like to be part of that. But I saw a ministry coming out of the midst of heaven. In other words, it was a heavenly ministry. It was an anointed ministry. It was not a ministry where we play around. It is a ministry where we seek for the power and authority of God. And he said, I saw that ministry with a divine message, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. I want you to take special note. Things are changing now. This is not the gospel of grace. This is not the thing that says love God and the grace of God is, is for that. This is not that. This is good news. This is describing the purpose of God to set up a kingdom, a political kingdom, a spiritual kingdom, a universal kingdom in which Jesus will sit on his father David's throne and rule the world. In other words, this is an anointed message under the influence of the power of God. This is a ministry. This is people. Whether it's lay members or whether it's apostles or prophets or whatever it might be, it's from the least to the greatest. Your education won't mean much. It's how close you are to God. How much you have suffered for God. How much you have given for God. That's what's going to count in those days. It's not going to be the great degreed individuals, although you can't count them out, but it's going to be individuals that realize somebody somewhere has got to stand against these demonic forces of hell. We can't allow it to go on like that. And so searching and praying, God taps individuals. God's trying to find them today. He'd like to have you and He'd like to have me that's willing to sell out. That's part of playing church. That's part of playing tiddlywink. That's part of warming a church pew and a church mate. That's part of just coming when we feel like it and part of praying when we feel like it. God is looking for somebody that wants to understand that there's a particular reason we're here and we've got to salvage individuals that don't know anything about God. Amen. I'm supposed to be teaching. God help me. I can't hardly do much with this because this is something that moves upon me, an angelic message, a message with power and anointing, having a gospel that simply says this, not a gospel of grace. It's a gospel of God's kingdom. This is a message saying in actuality that the kingdom that exists then, the one that the beast power is control of, 
the church that exists then under the rulership of the false prophet. This man is not God. This church, this kingdom is not God's kingdom. What this voice is saying right in the midst uh, of this power that's standing up there, there's a voice that comes out and says the kingdom of God hasn't got here yet. You're worshiping the wrong thing. You're being taken in by the wrong powers. And that voice is sounding again. Can you imagine what happens to that great man that sits there on the throne and he hears somebody come with an anointing power of God and says, you're wrong. You're the false Christ. You're the false prophet. Right in his face. And can you imagine the persecution maybe that would come? And let me tell you something. God says when he sends you out for the message, you're going to be alright until your message is finished. And then it really doesn't matter what happens to you after that. And then it says, saying with a loud voice. In other words, it is a loud voice and it says, Now, you be afraid of God. I'm going to paraphrase this a little bit. You don't be afraid of those people there. They persecute, yes, but they can only, only take your body. They can't take your soul. And this voice, a ministry that's going to stand, it's going to be there. I don't know who's going to be in it. I know many of us could be alive. We could be not even in it because we don't care to be in it. Because we play too much. Because flesh rules too much. Am I getting in too hard? Maybe I am, but I'm telling you the truth. That we ought to get ready and realize that we have, we have relinquished power and authority to the enemy. He's crept in and he's taken our family and our friends and our loved ones and we do very little about it. God help us to get a hold of God and understand somebody has got to stand for the truth. And it's going to take some giving up on our part. We play tiddly winks long enough, saints. We've come to be blessed, and we don't bless. All right, we've come, and we want God to worship. Want us to worship God? God wants us to worship Him. And sometimes you can't hardly get a noise out of saints of God today. You can't hardly get their hands up to worship and honor God today. And certainly, God finds it hard to get us on our knees. But if we're going to be part of this ministry, and somebody has to be. I may be talking more to the young people and you need to understand that you're going to have to make a choice someplace, somewhere down the line. But for the most part, almost all of us could be here. It's that close that God, God is trying. There's an urgency. I talk to people every once in a while, few and far between, in different churches, but you'll find somebody, a few somebodies in every church that has an urgency inside of them that something is not right. Something is not right. Something has to change. Lives have got to get on fire for God. Holiness of God has got to shine through. There has got to be some power and authority in the ministry. And he's got to stand his ground. If repentance is necessary, he's got to preach it. If challenge of uh, walking in carnality is necessary, that message has to come. Bible says, let the chips fall where they may. And this voice, while this authority is ruling says, fear God and give glory to Him. In other words, don't give glory to that one is false. And then he says, for the hour of His judgment is come. In other words, that the sitting there now is going to be judged. It looks good. Humanity is running after Him. He seems to have peace every place. But God is saying through that ministry, His judgment is going to come. Yet don't do wrong without being judged by it, okay? And then it says, now you worship Him that made heaven. Ask this individual if he knows anything about uh, when time wasn't. Ask him where he was at when the heavens was laid out. Ask him where he was at 
when the sun was hung and the moon was hung and the rivers and the waters in the water and out of the water. Ask him where he was at when he set the earth in the motion and put the sun just far enough away that it didn't scald us and close enough uh, to where we wouldn't freeze to death. Ask this man there where he was at when the heavens was made, when the earth was made, when the sea was made, when the fountain's water was made, when God just with one voice spoke it and there he was. Ask him to do something like that. And that's what he's saying. That's what this voice is saying. And that's a challenge. That's a challenge while the beast power is roaming and while the whole world is roaming and wondering after the beast, as the Bible says, and the whole world wondered after the beast. But not all the world. There was a remnant, hallelujah. There was somebody that sold out. There was somebody that said, something has to be done. We can't allow this to happen. God wants His church on fire now. Now then we turn to Revelation 18. Seemed like it just over and over and over. After again, he describes the beast. And he describes the harlot church in Revelation 17. And John then writes, 18 and 1. And after these things, I saw another angelos. I saw another heavenly ministry coming down from heaven, having great power. And the earth was lightened with his God's glory. I thought, my God, right in the midst of the darkest time the world has ever saw, when it looked like 